0: One, two, three, four. One more
1: thing that has always played in my advantage is making sure that I speak up in my first 30 days. And I know that people find it very intimidating, whether it's a new company or, you know what, maybe it's just your first job. A lot of us have imposter syndrome, right? Who am I? Why should I actually voice my opinion? But here's what you don't know. When you join a new company, you have a really unique perspective. You don't have groupthink. You're not affected by the biases that the team has, so you can see a lot of things that they are completely oblivious to. And that's exactly the time you want to point that out.
0: Welcome back to the Well Now at podcast. I'm your host, Savannah today's guest is Maya. I actually recorded this episode earlier in the year but I'm just getting around to it but it's a super valuable conversation Maya knows her stuff so if you're in a job and you're looking to move up or switch industries she gives some really great advice she also has a book and she's also the LinkedIn queen every time I see her post there's just so much engagement you know she really understands her audience so we can get straight into it and I hope you enjoy this episode I am here with Maya Grossman. She is a high-performing product marketing leader, speaker, and career coach. She's worked for companies like Microsoft and Google, racking up multiple promotions and raises, and strategically loving up from an individual contributor to vice president. She's blended her experience climbing the corporate ladder, motivational leadership style, authentic voice, and love for helping others into a book designed to give you the tools you need to succeed. So if you're wondering how to get into marketing in 2021, then you'll learn a lot from how Maya became a VP in marketing and a consultant for startups. I think the skills that marketers have and use every day are most definitely applicable to other industries as well. So no need to worry if you don't want to go into marketing. And I'm a marketer myself and I'm earlier on into my career and my focus has been mostly social media. Um, But as I'm spending more time, you know, talking with more people like Maya and, and just in the world of marketing, there's just so much more than just social. So First of all, thank you so much for coming on, and I'm really eager to just learn from you. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me, Savannah. I'm excited for this conversation. Of
0: course, so I heard that you started off as a travel agent. And you worked in that company for almost seven years, which is, which is crazy. And then you start to build their marketing and social media presence. But, um, you know, a lot of my listeners are in their first, maybe like grown up job at a company and you were there for, you know, the travel agency for seven years. So how did you transition from a large kind of corporate job to more a startup job at working at that marketing agency?
1: Yeah, that was that was a funny story. So I had a non traditional start to my career, you can say, Um, I, you know, graduated from high school, I um, actually spent two years serving my country, so I was actually in the military, and I was discharged. And, you know, I had to figure out what to do next. I couldn't actually afford to pay for college right there and then. So I had to find a job. And that opportunity at the travel agency came up and I said, you know what? It's a great job. I'm going to be in an office. I don't have to bust tables. Probably going to be really easy. Um, And it was, it was a great company. I had amazing people around me. I was able to grow with them, slowly moving into a leadership role. But, you know, I wasn't as passionate about travel. And while working for them, I actually did my bachelor's. Majored in marketing and finance, loved marketing, really hated finance, swore I will never look at a spreadsheet again. <laughs> and it kind of sparked this idea in my head that was around, hey, I can actually do marketing for a living. I can do what I love and get paid doing it. And I started investigating what would what that look like? What does it mean to have a job in marketing? No one around me was doing it, so I had no idea and my research kind of led me into social media it was early days for facebook and twitter so yes i'm a little bit older um and it just got me excited it seemed like such a unique opportunity and i realized you know what i i have no experience it will be really hard to try and just go find a job in marketing so i decided to create my own experience within the company i work for went to the travel agency um the leadership team and i said hey i i would really like to start practicing everything that i've been learning i want to do some marketing for you i'm still going to do my day job 100 i'll do this on my spare time but let me just experiment i think you know if we open up a facebook page it will be really beneficial for the company and you know i've been there for so long they trusted me they said go ahead not a problem and it started really small but after a while i was able to get traction and i could see the impact that it was making So my role actually slowly moved more and more into marketing until after about six or eight months, I had enough confidence in my ability and I started applying for social media jobs. And yes, it was a very weird transition. My parents freaked out when I said, hey, I'm leaving an international company with 400 people where I'm a manager to work for an agency with five people. By the way, they don't have an offer. we are gonna be working from the founder's home. Definitely an interesting conversation but I just knew I had to do social media. I just knew I'm going to love it and it's how I'm going to kick off my marketing career. So I took a chance.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That must have been also, yeah, definitely very scary. Like you're used to working in this, um, corporate job, a little bit more like structure, maybe instability to going into the, you know, marketing agency, kind of a startup environment. So what would you say are kind of the top skills that you learned um, working with that marketing agency and at the, the, the founder's home, like what were those top skills?
1: Yeah, well, I definitely had to be very independent, figure things out on my own, just learn. There weren't a lot of people around me that I could ask, hey, how, how do we usually do it? Because more often than not, we've never done that before. So I'm the first one, I have to figure it out. Uh, being very agile and flexible, things change a lot quicker. At a smaller company, one day you're going in one direction two days after you're going exactly the opposite way. And I think also just being very curious, always looking for the next thing for what's new, keeping myself up to date. I think that's where my passion for learning started because it was a necessity. Without it, I I would have never, you know, become such a social media expert, quote unquote, uh, so quickly because within one year, I was probably one um, of the best social media marketers they had on the team.
0: That's incredible. Um, I actually found you through LinkedIn. And one of the posts that really resonated with me that you had written, and you write really excellent pieces. So if anyone has LinkedIn, I definitely recommend connecting or following Maya. But the title, the post was titled five pieces of career advice I had Wish I'd received in my 20s. And I'm in my 20s now. Um, so that really resonated with me. And the one that stood out was the most was it's more important to get the right things done than it is to get more things done. And Especially for me, um, like the company I'm at right now, instead some of some of my internships, I kind of just assumed I need to, you know, show that initiative and go-getter attitude, which is great. But I would try to take so many things on, and I figure that if I get them done really quickly, that will, you know, leave a good impression. But um, it's also, you know, it's it's good to take the time to do things right. So, what part of your career journey did you recognize this, and did you realize that, you know, it's better to take the time to do things?
1: Yeah, I actually had a very hard realization because I was working myself to the ground. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do more. And I, I couldn't say no. Anything anyone threw at me, I would say yes, I would take it on and just figure out how to do it. So throughout my time with the agency, basically, that's that's what I did. And then um, I actually, um, you know, I think it was during my last year uh, in university, I was driving to university, probably like 7 a.m. And I fell asleep while driving. It was just a fraction of a second. I, I immediately regained control, but it was scary. And the reason was I just, I wasn't sleeping. I tried to do too much. And then I started thinking, okay, but how do I do less? Because this is who I am, right? I'm the person who gets shit done. So if I'm not doing that, who am I? And I took a step back and I realized, you know what? Some of the things that I'm doing don't have the same amount of impact as the others. And you know what? Some people don't even care if it gets done or not. It's just in my head that I decided, you know, I have to get this done. So I ran an experiment. I took my to-do list and I started um, prioritizing it. And I looked at the bottom 20%, like three tasks, and I decided I'm going to eliminate them. I'm not going to do them at all. I wanna see what happens. Let me tell you a secret. nothing happened. No one knew. It was all in my head. Those tasks were not important enough for people to care and they didn't have an impact on the business or on my main goals. And that's when I realized, you know what? It's actually better to do a little bit less. I'm not doing, don't do anything and just you know, uh, lay back all day. Mm-hmm. But when you choose what to focus on, choose the tasks that are one, going to move you closer to your own goals in your career, but two, are going to get you closer to hitting the company goals, which is how you're going to be measured at your
0: company. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And going on from that point, um, I know you've written a few posts about this, but for people that are just starting out in their jobs, um, whether that's, you know, like an internship or like a, you know, it's your First day. Um, how can someone make an impact the first month, like the first 30 days? Because, you know, like the first maybe week or so, you're trying to familiarize yourself, but how can you really, um, yeah, just make an impact and kind of prove yourself to a company?
1: Yeah, I would say don't wait for the first day. Um, it's something that I've actually done very often in my career. From the minute that I know I'm going to join a company, when the minute I signed an offer, this is when the clock starts ticking. So I would actually do everything possible to learn about that company even before I join. And yes, I, I use everything that's available publicly, but I usually also ask, you know, would you mind giving me access earlier on to your document so that I can really start learning about the company and what they're doing? I play with a product. I learn about the people who are going to be there. So when I join day one, I don't have to ask all the entry-level questions. I don't have to ask oh, what's our business model? Or mm-hmm. you know, what's the goal of this team? I already know most of this information and I can start hitting the ground running a lot faster. So that's one thing I would say, just do proactive onboarding. Teach yourself everything you need to know before you get there. Second thing, people. I used to think networking is just stupid. It's a waste of time and you should spend all your time working. But when you work for a company, especially when you start moving into the bigger companies, you need people to make things happen. You can do everything on your own. You always need to have partners in you know, different departments. And you want to build those relationships early on. So I try to, if it's a really small company, I would try to meet everyone uh, in my first, sit, let's say, 60 days. If it's a bigger company, then just map out the people who are closest to you. And you should you know, know about and you should be in contact with and just send out an email, invite them for a quick chat. No agenda, not work related. Just get to know them. And I think that made a huge difference for me, because when you have the right allies, everything becomes easier. Um, and lastly, I would say one more thing that have always played in my advantage is making sure that I speak up in my first 30 days. And I know that people find it very intimidating, whether it's a new company or, you know what, maybe it's just your first job. A lot of us have imposter syndrome, right? Who am I? Why should I actually voice my opinion? But here's what you don't know. When you join a new company, you have a really unique perspective. You don't have groupthink. You're not affected by the biases that the team has. So you can say a lot of things that they are completely oblivious to. And that's exactly the time you want to point that out. Now, you obviously need to do it tactfully. You shouldn't just go and tell people they're stupid or what they're doing <laughs> is wrong. Um, you want to have a thoughtful conversation and just ask questions. You know, Have you ever considered doing it this way? Or when I worked for my previous company, we actually got better results by doing you know this thing. Just turn it into more of a conversation than criticism. And I think you'll be amazed to see how many people open up and actually accept your feedback. And that's a huge win. If you can identify a problem and fix it within your first 30 days, you're a rock star.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's incredible. I, It's interesting because when I was, it's not that long ago that I was doing internships and co-ops as we call them in Canada during um, my undergrad degree. And a lot of the times I would, you know, sometimes they'd be bigger corporations or smaller agencies but I'd be like, I'm just the student. I, should I even speak up at these big meetings? Um, so I definitely felt that imposter syndrome. So I know, you know, exactly what you're talking about. I was, I was like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say anything, but, you know, as I got more comfortable with the role and, um, I really enjoyed being like a fly on the wall and asking to join several different meetings, even if they weren't in my department, just to kind of get a better understanding of how the company worked and and to speak up. But yeah, that's definitely some, some really great advice. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm just want to curious about your journey, working with Um, larger companies like Microsoft and and Google. Um, So when you first onboarded with some of those companies, did it live up to your expectations? Was there huge differences in comparison to some of the other companies where you were working at? So yeah, I'm just curious about your experience there.
1: Yeah, uh, well, the biggest and most obvious um, difference is size. Everything Mm -hmm. is huge and everything has a process. Um, So there are definitely some advantages when you think about perks. Can't lie, that's a great one. Mm -hmm. But also just being surrounded with so many talented people and not just in your department, but the entire company and you suddenly have access to them, that has been transformative. I got to meet so many amazing people. Um, What also happens when you work for a bigger company is there's a lot more red tape and everything takes a little bit more time than it should. Um, So you definitely want to expect more processes um, and more, you know, red tape everywhere you go. So there are definitely pros and cons. Um, I would say with a startup environment, everything is a lot faster, sometimes too fast. Uh, <laughs> it, really, it is really crazy. You can decide something on Monday and by Friday, it will be out there already and you can start collecting the results. Uh, with a company the size of Microsoft, that would take three months to get a campaign approved, up and running. But again, you know, they have so much more to worry about and so much more uh, to take into account with every decision. So I've, I've actually enjoyed both. And I mm-hmm. think for different times in my career, I needed different environments. With Microsoft, I had more opportunities to learn from someone else and really hone in specific skills. And with the smaller startups, you don't really have anyone to tell you what to do. So you just have to figure it out on your own. And that's when I got to experiment and just try things uh, by myself. And I love both. I just think for different times in your career, uh, different environments will will be better suited for what you need.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of people say, like, I want to work at Google. I want to work at Microsoft. But, like, Microsoft, time. yeah, they have, you know, over 150,000 people. Like, there's And there's so many different products. I know it's it's very complex. But what advice would you give for someone with kind of, no experience, apart from like honing down, like let's say they found the product within Microsoft that they want to work for, but um, let's say they don't have that much experience, but they could have a lot of potential, but, you know, like on a resume, you can't really see potential, right? So how would you, yeah, what would you recommend for someone to just kind of get their resume out there without that much experience?
1: You probably need to go beyond the resume. Um, the, The truth is that for every role at Microsoft, they probably get a 1,000 resumes. And when you're a hiring manager or recruiter and you have a 1,000 resumes that come inbound or you have 10 referrals, you're going to start with a referral pile because it's so much easier to get through and you Mm -hmm. also have a little bit more validation. So the best way I know to get into these companies, this is how I got into Microsoft and Google, referrals. Someone from the inside who knows you can vouch for you and make sure that they put your resume at the top of that pile. And that can be someone within that specific department, it can be someone in HR, but you do have to make sure it's someone um, who's relevant for your role, right? So someone from um, Android probably can't recommend you for a job uh, at Waze. It's just not, not it's almost like two separate companies. So you have to be very, very specific. One more thing that I actually never thought about, but I recently spoke to the head of internships at Microsoft And she said, you know what? We actually have a LinkedIn group for all of our potential interns. And we really like to see why people are passionate about us. We want to see people really engage with specific products and tell us what they like and why they like it, because it actually gives us a better feeling if they're going to be a good fit. So sometimes just stating what seems to be obvious, you know, I'm passionate about Microsoft. Here's why I'm passionate and what I want to work on can actually give you a better opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know, I know that you mentioned on LinkedIn before, like the importance of like catchy kind of one-liners in your resume. And I'm curious to know, do you have any good examples or I know you've done some hiring in your time, just some resumes that have stood out to you with their like catchy one-liners or can you think of any on the top of your head?
1: Honestly, just anything that either really captures who you are mm-hmm. or gets people excited. So. On my resume and LinkedIn, I summarize what I do best by saying, I get people from, I get customers to go from thinking, what is this about your product to saying, I want this. And in my profession, if I lead marketing for a company, you know, that's probably the most important value. Um, I attended an event earlier today and um, speaking to Leander uh, Howard II. Uh, who is uh, a LinkedIn influencer helping people create their um, resumes? He actually said, I'm a real person helping real people get real results. That's what I do. Really simple, but really mm-hmm. catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recently looked at someone's resume, someone who applied for a job um, on my team, and they started by saying a few words about, you know, them as marketers, but they also said, Oh, and I also participated in MasterChef, so I can make you know incredible meals. Mm -hmm. I remember that people will remember Mm -hmm. it. So just do something a little bit different Mm -hmm. that captures who you are.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, And you've had, you know, over 10 promotions in 15 years, which is which is remarkable. But I'm curious to know when you're entering like a new job and when do you know that it's your time to go or it's time for like a promotion? Like when the, the, the positions that you've been at. Do you usually seek to further, like further up in the role to get a promotion? Or like, when do you know this is my time to leave and to look somewhere else?
1: Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes, you know, I would walk into a company or a role and I know that um, I can do more just because in the first, you know, let's say 60 days, I actually identify challenges that I can help solve, but are not within my scope. So I might actually build towards that. I will slowly take a little bit more responsibility, show that I can do more. And when I'm at a point where I'm doing, let's say 20 or 30% more than my job description, Mm -hmm. that's when I'll go and say, hey, you know, actually I've been doing all of this. Would it make sense for me to actually officially get that promotion and Mm -hmm. take on full responsibility for the next level? So that's one option. Um, Most of the time it happened almost naturally I think, you know, when you're just getting started, you're struggling just to understand where you're at, what you need to do. Six months in, a year in, you're kind of settled in, you know what you're doing, you own your stuff. And then let's say 18 months in, it's like, well, I'm really good at everything I'm doing. Everything is happening quickly. And I have a couple of extra hours every day. Maybe it's time to start thinking about doing more or Mm -hmm. progressing to the next level. And when that doesn't happen, when I don't see opportunities for growth, that's probably when I would start thinking about moving on.
0: Interesting. And, you know, as as a marketer, what industry or maybe skills do you see kind of starting to become useful for people more like me that I'm kind of earlier on into my marketing career and like, yeah, what industry or like maybe skills you see are becoming more useful?
1: Yeah, well, marketing is such a broad discipline. There are yes. so many different ways you can go into marketing. You can do product mm-hmm. marketing, dimension, events, communications. It's endless. I think what a lot of people miss is the basics. At the end of the day, if you do marketing well, you need to know your customer. You need to really understand them. not just read an article somewhere online, but actually speak to the people you are marketing to. And you need to understand their pains and their needs so that you can actually build, you know, uh, a narrative that's going to get them excited. And I think if you know how to do that, and if you know how to tell stories, so I think copywriting is huge in marketing in in almost Mm -hmm. every aspect. If you have those two skills, I think you can learn everything else very quickly.
0: I'm curious to know about your role right now. So you're VP at marketing at um, Jumpstart. So how have you liked it so far? And how's that been like the transition been from your previous um, roles?
1: Yeah, it's it's super exciting. Uh, So I joined Jumpstart late in December. And I am obsessed with the company's mission, right? We want to make recruiting fair for all. And what we work on is making sure that companies are able to recruit candidates for more diverse backgrounds, because at the end of the day, talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And that's the problem that we want to fix. And with everything that happened in the last year, how can you not, you know, root for that mission? And it just, it was such a great um, way for me to do what I love to do most, which is marketing, and what Mm -hmm. I love to do almost most, which is career Mm -hmm. development, marry them together and get to call it my job. So it was kind of a no brainer and we have incredible people who are all obsessed with the same mission. And, you know, it's a startup, so we're still small and we just work really hard every single day to do the best that we can and try to figure out again the next day. Uh, and for me, that's exciting. That's, that's what I live for. This is the type of environment that I thrive in. Um, and I have an incredible team. So Yeah, I'm, you might feel uh, in my voice, but I'm very (laughs) excited about
0: this. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah, no, that's, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, I know it's definitely really hard to find, you know, a job that you really love, or, um, you know, maybe like at startups, you can kind of get your hands dirty and like in different roles. But um, I know that not everyone wants to be entrepreneurs. But for me, I definitely feel that satisfaction from there. But for people that aren't, and they're just, um, maybe just employees at a company and for them, it's, they kind of just lack the passion. They're kind of here to do the job in and out. Is there like a certain mindset that you recommend, or is it simply just like, maybe it's the the company or the, the product or software they're just not passionate about?
1: It's actually, this is kind of how I start, um, the story in the book when I talk about mindset and I talk about how you can fall in love with a company you work with. So Mm -hmm. you don't always get to choose. Sometimes, you know, you need a job because you have to pay a rent or you started somewhere that was great and something changed, but you can't actually afford to leave. And what I try to do in these circumstances is to try and find something within the company that is going to get you excited. It can be the product. Sometimes, you know, if you're doing something great for humanity, like we're doing That gets me excited. Maybe it's the people. Maybe you can talk to the people around you, get a reminder of why they started the business. Why is it doing so well? Talk to customers, see why they love what your company does. It might get you excited. Uh, You can look at the industry. Maybe you love the industry. And if you continue honing in your skills, then you can move to a different company within that same industry, but still have the skills that you need. So maybe it's worthwhile for you to stay for another six months or a year, and get what you need for your next move. And lastly, and this is like the easiest one, just think about your career progression. Where do you want to be in a year? What skills do you need to actually acquire? And do everything that you can to get those skills while you're still working for this company. Because when you're already an employee, people trust you, you have a lot more bandwidth to experiment, and it's a really great way to gain experience so that you can, you know, later on move to a different company um, and just find a place that is better suited for
0: you. Awesome, yeah. And I just had one last question: Do you have any favorite um, resources that can be that can be books, podcasts, that can be like apps or anything that you really enjoy using that you'd recommend my audience check out?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of them in very different. Um, in very different categories. So mm-hmm. I am obsessed with um, the State of DemandGen. That's a podcast for anyone who wants to learn about mm-hmm. Um I love everything that the Product Marketing Alliance is putting out on their blog. Amazing content for anyone who wants to specialize um, in that specific uh, category. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tom Billu and Impact Theory. You can find them on YouTube or in podcasts, anything you want to know about growth mindset and just how to be a better version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I would say probably, um, who else do I really like recently, you can stick to those. Those are probably awesome. some of my favorites. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maya. It was lovely speaking with you. And- Um, If my audience, you want to follow her on LinkedIn, she also has a book that you should definitely check out. Um, But yeah, if you have any other social pages that you want to plug or your website, feel free to.
1: Yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the best place, but you can Mm -hmm. also go to mayagrossman.com, get a lot of free resources. I get a preview of the book if you want to see what it's all about. And yeah, you can also connect with me there.
0: And that was Maya. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll have all the links of her LinkedIn, her pages, and her book so you can go check her out. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.